Does the current political banter sound like an old record to you? This is the True Disciples Podcast, where everything you know about Reformation is about to get a radical makeover in the power of the Holy Spirit. Your True Disciples host is Dr. Kevin Baird, Senior Pastor of Legacy Church in Charleston, South Carolina. And now, the True Disciples Podcast. Welcome back to the True Disciples Podcast for episode 16 of the Reformation Archive. We continue with our current sermon series titled House Hunter that Dr. Kevin Baird is bringing to Legacy Church as it is a message the entire American church needs to hear. So let us begin with part one of to be or not to be. That really is the question. The theme of our series is that we believe that God is looking for a church. And we want to be the church that God's looking for. And uh, the fancy name. Do you remember who here can... Call out the fancy name for the whole series if we were sitting in a classroom. What would that word be? Ecclesiology. There he is. I heard it. You'll never use that word any other place in your life than on a Sunday morning with Pastor Baird. We want to study about the church and, and how the church works. And I mean, if, if Jesus is building a church, don't you think we ought to understand a little bit about what he's trying to build? I think so. And I think if I call myself as one who is a part of the church, then I ought to understand what all of that entails. And so we've been talking in this whole series about what does God want? What does his word say? And uh, what can we do to aspire uh, to that standard? Today I want to explore the question as to what it means to be the church. Everyone say to be. What does it mean to be the church. One of the more often quoted lines from Shakespeare comes from Hamlet. And in that play by Hamlet, there's a phrase that Hamlet says as he considers whether, whether he wants to live or whether he wants to commit suicide. He says these words, to be or not to be. That is the question. And so I want to talk about what it means to be. That sounds almost too philosophical or too ethereal. It's just mystical. And, and I need something more practical, Pastor. Hear me. This is really very, very practical. We understand what it means to be. What does it mean to be the church? Here's the key. Most of us know what it is to do, not what it means to be. And so I've just entitled our lesson today, To Be or Not To Be. That really, really is the question. And so let's read out of the Bible. If you have your Bibles, it's always good to look it up for yourself, but you can follow along on the smart board with me in Ephesians 1, beginning with verse 22. Listen to what Paul says. I'm going to read a lot of scripture today. Is it okay if we read scripture in church? All right. You know, sometimes you just read a phrase in church and that's all the scripture you hear. Today, you're going to get scripture. So get, if you want to get your pencil or get out the note on your phone and you can type some references, you may want to follow up on this. But Ephesians 1, beginning with verse 22 says, and he, meaning the Lord, put all things under his feet, meaning Jesus the Christ, and gave him, Jesus, to be head over all things to the church, which is his body. Hear this now. The church is what? His body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. 
Colossians 1, verse 24, very similar. Most people believe Paul wrote these two letters at the same time as he was sitting in a prison cell. He's writing to both of these churches. In Colossae, the book of Colossians, he says, I now rejoice in my sufferings for you and fill up in my flesh what is lacking in the afflictions of Christ for the sake of his body, which is the church. Now, I'm emphasizing something here that I really want you to get. We use these terms, but I want us to get what we call revelation. I want us to get understanding that the church is his body. It is his body. Now, as I'm sure you are sensing, as I'm going through all of this about House Hunter, uh, we are teaching this with incredible patience. I've got four sermons counting this one under my belt and we're scratching the surface because Paul's writing some things that we need to grab hold of. He's making this connection that the church is an incarnation. I'm using big terms. They're all in the Bible, though. The church is an enfleshing. Incarnation is not what you buy at a grocery store. You know, it's not condensed milk. <laughs> incarnation is when God, who is spirit, came down to be flesh. That's incarnation. But now this is what Paul says. Paul says that the church is now a type of incarnation of his body. This is an enfleshment of his body. It's an important spiritual principle that, that when God says something, yes, there is a spiritual aspect to it, but it's not just left spiritual. Everything that is spiritual eventually manifests or enfleshes itself. It's just not completely all spiritual. Even God himself enfleshed himself. And this is important. Healing isn't just spiritual and in heaven. Healing comes now, right? Deliverance isn't just something we enjoy somewhere after we die as we walk through the pearly gates. But deliverance is something that we can experience now. It enfleshes now. And so these are important concepts. And this is what he says to the Ephesians and Colossians and other places, he says this, the church, the church is not just this spiritual notion, but there is this enfleshment to it. There is this incarnation to it. We are his body. And Jesus, listen, Jesus is not Jesus based solely on his activity or what he does. Jesus is Jesus because of who he is. We are not the church just because of what we do. We are the church because of who we are. To be, I'm, I'm making these connections going back and forth, to be Jesus is to recognize at a foundational level that his nature is different than our nature. Amen? I know you're listening. You're not talking to me, but I know you're listening. Because we can do, the Bible says, what Jesus did. Is that not true? The works that I do, he said, you shall do. Even greater works than these. So, so hear me. We can do what Jesus did, but that doesn't make me exactly like Jesus. Because his nature is different, right? All right. So Jesus isn't just Jesus because of what he does, because I can do some of what he does. Jesus is Jesus because of his nature. What does it mean to be Jesus? It means that he has a nature that's, that's unique. 
What does it mean to be the church? It doesn't mean that we just do certain things. It doesn't mean that we just have a certain list, maybe programs, nothing wrong with that, but it doesn't mean that we're a church just because we do the stuff. It's because of our nature. I have heard this phrase. It's a contemporary phrase. That's kind of like the bumper sticker that drives me crazy too, that says, I found Jesus. Because, because and it drives me crazy because Jesus was never lost. And so that just, it's just me and my precision thing. You all know I have this precision thing in me. This is another phrase that at times drives me a little bit crazy. And it's the phrase, you may have heard it, where someone says, don't go to church, be the church. Now that sounds, that sounds super spiritual. It sounds activating. It sounds empowering. It sounds mobilizing. But is that what it really means? Does it mean we don't have to go to church as long as I'm doing what I should be doing? You see, the intention of that phrase suggests, at least to me, that it's, it's, it's something you do, not something you are. In fact, it says it's better to do something than to attend something. That's sort of the vibe that comes off it. But is it not true that there's lots of compassionate organizations, there's lots of benevolent organizations, there's lots of people that do, and organizations that do a lot of good work. So to do is not the same to be, because you can have an organization that does a lot of great stuff, but that doesn't necessarily mean you qualify as a church. What does it mean to be a church? And I think that phrase unintentionally, I think, communicates that somehow or another the corporate gathering is a low priority. It kind of gives that vibe, at least to me. I'm just coming from my perspective. Secondly, it seems to, again, maybe unintentionally, tell us that doing acts of service supersedes the corporate worship of God. And then finally, number three, to me, it sort of gives the vibe that acts of service is somehow greater then Sabbath rest, which is the cessation of striving. It's not just, you know, you just get to stay in bed all day. That's not what rest means in the Bible. Rest in the Bible means you're no longer striving. So, so we rest in the presence of the Lord. We gather together to enter into that Sabbath rest. Uh, so it, it, it gives this vibe about, you know, don't, don't attend church. Just go be the church and God will be really happy with you. But my question is, what does it mean then to be? What does it mean to be a church? Now, I think this whole area of to be is a wrestling point as are many things in our culture these days. What does it mean to be? What does it mean to be male? Uh-oh, now, now I'm getting relevant. What does it mean to be female? Is it just male and female like the Bible says, or are there 150 different choices? Well, obviously, here's, here's my view. It's to be male or to be female isn't just based on what you do. Now, I, I under, fully understand that there are certain things that only women can do that men can't do. Women are the only ones that obviously can give birth. So I understand biologically there are differences biologically. That's important. But just in activity, how many of you know that there are men? I, I mean, I'm just going to use, and I'm going to fall back into my, my stereotypical traditional ways. For instance, if men like to cook, which has been traditionally maybe left to women, 
that isn't what makes them a woman. The man doesn't become a woman just because he likes to cook. Or let's say, let's say if the woman likes to play sports or catch lizards, that doesn't necessarily make them a man, does it? So what you do things doesn't mean just because you do something a certain way does not mean that defines who you are. What does it mean to be? Listen to me. Your nature defines who you are and what you are to be. Your nature. Now, listen to me. This, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk about our culture, but then I'm going to switch over to the church here. Biology makes us all tick in a certain way. Men and women have unique processing capabilities as well as biological distinctions. Culture now says that you can decide for yourself who you are. Are you following me? So it's trendy now. You can read about it. If you're on social media, you can read articles coming out where now you shouldn't put pressure on your children to determine whether they're going to be boys or girls. You need to let them somehow figure out what they really are. It's not biology, it's not nature, it has now become my feelings or my preferences. And I'm telling you, as a culture, we're headed for a train wreck. Because, because suddenly we're basing what, what we want to be on how we feel or maybe what I like to do. And that's not Bible. Transfer that now over to the church. We're doing the same thing in church. Church has suddenly become what we think it should be, how we feel about church, and not so much what God has said it is to be. All of a sudden, it lands in the area of preference and feeling and what it does, and then we decide if that's church, and that doesn't have anything to do with what God has said church is to be. So as we're transferring that, who are we to be as the church? It's a very important question because the American church is in an identity crisis. We're not in an identity crisis in China, and the Chinese church is not in an identity crisis. We are. Because honestly, church has boiled down to what, what we all, what's ever right in our own eyes. It's rarely considered unless you come and here on a Sunday, and I talk about it, I don't know that this is ever talked about much. What, what does God consider a church to be? It's really important that you understand this. What is it to be? We're confused about our identity. We don't know who we are. Uh, if we're confused about our identity, we solve it by referring to the world. The church is not a business. Paul said it's a body. It is not an organization per se. There's nothing wrong with organization, but hear me. We are not per se an organization. We're an organism. We're alive. It's not just a facility. It's a family. And if we're confused about our identity, then we must untangle that by the washing of our minds with the word of God in order that once again we can be renewed to the understanding of both who we are and what we do as the church. Who we are is different than what we do. And my point isn't that we stop doing something because we'll eventually get to the point where I'll talk about the church has a mission. So we're called to do something. 
But our doing is not who we are, just like what you do doesn't make you who you are. It's when we get in trouble. When a man begins to link his identity to his workplace, how many of you know there's a problem that's going to come? When a woman links her identity to her children, how many of you know there's a problem that's going to arise? When we begin to link our identities to what some, something going on around us, it'll instantly cause an identity crisis. And the church today wants to link itself in its identity to other things that the world likes, like concerts and Broadway and theme parks and playgrounds. Is anything wrong with that? I'm not saying there's anything evil about it. I'm just simply saying just because it's happening within a context that people say Jesus on occasion doesn't make it a church. This confusion produces certain things. It is produced in church life. And, and I know I'm not talking to pastors now, but I got some pastors watching me on YouTube and on Facebook Live. And I'll tell you what our identity crisis has produced most acutely in us, but it's happened in, in the body at large, is this. It causes us to be performance or activity oriented. We aren't valid unless we're doing something. We always got to be doing something, always cranking something out. You ever notice that you never hear many sermons on rest? It's always the next hill, the next activity. What are we going to do next? What's the next program? Keep them busy. Got to find something to do. And of course, our whole culture is like that. It can't sit down for a moment anymore. I mean, we're running people every which way. We sign our kids up for 50 activities. We run them all over town because God knows they're going to have every experience known to man. We're performance-oriented, and, and our identities have started to link into that, and it's what happens when we're in this crisis. Number two is that it creates an improper measuring stick. We measure things now by the success of what we do. You're successful if you do enough, or if the no, enough you are doing is producing numerically whatever it needs to produce and since our identity is linked to that then that's when we feel successful we feel most successful when everything that we're doing is happening like it's supposed to be happening but that's not what the bible says success is all about i'll probably get to measuring sticks on another occasion but it's creating this improper measuring stick we measure things by by size and budget and you know, all the outward activity things that I'm telling you, God never wants. If you, if you would put the American measuring stick on the church in the book of Acts, the church in the book of Acts was a failure. Most of them spent time in jail. Can you imagine if I got thrown in jail? What, what would happen in America? I'd be on the news. You'd see my mug shot. My hair would be all... And again, it depends on what you get thrown in jail for. But let's say you got thrown in jail because you're preaching the gospel. Everybody would automatically assume that he did something wrong or why else would he have been arrested and got a mugshot? That's America. That's not China. You can't even be a pastor in China unless you've been to prison. The third thing is that it produces, I believe, wrong theology. It produces a pragmatic, we all say, what, what, do, what do we need to do to get this thing to work? Let's make it work. It's like, God, just take a break. We're going to get this thing to work. So what does it do? We don't pray much because we feel like we have enough ingenuity, enough cleverness. We have enough energy. 
We have enough insight. We can, we can access marketing schemes. We can go to conferences. We can get thousands of notebooks and downloads and everything we need to do and, and get church in a box. And all we have to do is apply whatever is in the box and we can make it happen. And that is not the Bible. You know how they started the first church? They got in an upper room for days. That's not going to work in America, is it, folks? Yeah, yeah. But that's how it works in God's eyes. So, what does it mean to be the church? Who are we by nature? You know, when my kids were young, this will help those of you that may have kids or, or grandkids or if you're aspiring for kids, this might be a great story for you to tune in for just a moment. But when my kids were young, and Trace, you'll remember this, we came to some crossroads with all of them at one point or another. And as, as parents, you'll find this to be true, that your kids, as they, be, you know, they go to school, they interact with other kids, and all of a sudden, in all of their interactions and all the things uh, about their broader life, children always run into what I call this loyalty crossroad. The loyalty crossroad is this. Am I going to be loyal to my mom and dad and my parents and my household, or will I be loyal to my friends? Now, they all, they all do this because usually every child has a moment when they're in a group of kids that some kids are going to do something wrong, and, and they really ought to be exposed for what they did was wrong, but your kids won't rat them out. And the reason they won't rat them out is because they don't want to be disloyal to their friends. Now, I want to suggest to you that while I can admire a sense of loyalty, and even in kids, sometimes the, the, the loyalty, I'm here to tell you there are some things that kids get into that they need ratted out in a hurry. Right. And so we've talked to our children while they were growing up. We had to deal with this loyalty crossroad. And you'll hear this from your kids on some occasion, maybe more than once. They'll say something to the effect, something like this. I wish you weren't my parents. I, I want Bobby's parents. I wish they were my parents. They let him do anything. I want, I would, I don't like you. You make me do this. You make me, you do, 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 and they'll go this. I don't like you being, and I wish I was, and there have been times I wanted to pack their suitcase and say, go live with Bobby's parents if you want to. Hear me. I'm, I'm going to tell you what happened in my house. When we came to those crosswords, crossroads, I looked at them and there were two things that we would do. I'd say this, number one, in this household, we are Christians. We are Christians. And Christians have a way of being and indeed even doing. And so until you're old enough to afford your liberty, you're under my oversight. And as soon as you can afford it, you can go live life any way you want to do it. But as long as I am underwriting your life, you are my bond slave. I know, and to say this, if I was on Dr. Phil or some other show right now, they would think I was a nut. But that's how I, that's how I looked at it. I said, the second thing I want to tell you is this, is that you are a bared. And the standard of our house is not the standard of little Johnny's house or Bobby's house 
or Susie's house or whosoever house little one it is. That, you know what? That's their standard. This is our standard. And I'm, I'm sharing this with you because it means something to be a beard. Not everyone can be a beard. But God in his infinite wisdom dropped you in our household, blessing you with the opportunity to be one. And I'm here to see to it, to the best of my ability, as I'm stewarding your life as unto the Lord, that you are going to be a bear. This is what it means by nature to be a bear. I could go down the list. What does it mean? It means you get up and you're going to church. I don't care if you're tired. It doesn't matter. You're up, you're going. You're going to be at certain things, certain times. These are non-negotiable items. You're going to have a work ethic. If I hear that you, you, know, you got in trouble at work because you weren't working, that's not who we are. I mean, we went down the list. You say, that seems hard. And I want to be a friend with my children. Then you're a fool. You be a friend when they're 30. You're, you're stewarding. You are stewarding their future and their destiny. I'm not their friend when they're when they're three, four, five, 10, 15, even 18 if they're in my house. We are not friends. I am here because you do not have everything you need in order to make the right choices that need to be made. And I am, by God's design, the protector of your future. I am going to make sure you have every opportunity available to you and you may not understand it today and you think I'm hard and you'd rather live in someone else's house, but you will have a future and I am here whether you get it or not to protect it. You will, you will in this household function under the covenant of Christianity and you are a bird. Now, if you don't want to be, when you're old enough to afford it, God bless you. I can't stop you then. Thank you again for tuning in to the True Disciples podcast. Please be sure to subscribe for future updates and to catch up on past episodes. You can find us on SoundCloud, iTunes, Google Play, and TuneIn. You can also reach out to us with questions or feedback at truedisciplespodcast at gmail.com. And as always, between now and next time, we encourage you to go out and make his name great. Great.